For many of us, the topic of prayer is an interesting, intriguing, complex, and oftentimes an awkward thing. If you have been someone who has considered yourself a Christian for any prolonged time, you have wrestled, I am sure, with this thing that we call prayer. What is it? How does it work? How should I do it? What words should I use? How do we know that God answers our prayers, and does God even work that way? Now these just barely scratch the surface of all of the practical and more theological questions that inevitably come up when we begin to talk about prayer. This week I found a story about prayer that I believe that at some point in our lives we can all relate to. And this story says that the Bible study that you are attending is wrapping up and the leader asks the group to hold hands for the closing prayer. After you wipe off the sweat from your hand on your pant leg, you reach for your neighbor's hand. And after grabbing her hand, you realize that you actually have only grabbed two of her fingers, but now it's already a few seconds in and it'll be awkward if you change your grip. The head cold you've been fighting is not helping the situation, and a temporary lapse in judgment causes you to wipe your nose with your neighbor's hand. And you know that this will require an explanation later. This Bible study happens to be at your house, and so the leader asks you to close the prayer. And now you're terrified because you know that it has to be good. Therefore, you are no longer listening to anyone else's prayers. Instead, you are silently panicking, thinking of something meaningful to close the prayer with. Partway through the prayer, you open your eyes and look around, and you make that awkward eye contact with someone across the room and immediately close your eyes again. At least you don't have to feel bad about opening your eyes because you weren't the only curious one. You now realize that your shoulder muscle is on fire because you had to make an awkward reach to grab the guy's hand next to you. It's been flexed for over five minutes and you honestly don't know if you're going to be able to make it. Sweat is now starting to bead on your forehead. Finally, your turn has come to offer the closing words. You begin to pray, but are instantly cut off by your neighbor, who started a tenth of a second before you. You both pause and then simultaneously say, oh, you go ahead. A few more seconds of awkward silence follows, and you are so rattled at this point that you close the prayer with something completely heartless and cliche. And afterwards you realize how much better off things would have been to just recite the Lord's Prayer. Now, at some point, I would imagine that all of us have experienced something in this regards to the topic of prayer. And I have no problem admitting that the topic of prayer is probably the greatest hurdle that I face personally and professionally. This struggle was noted by my discernment committees, by my seminary professors, and by anyone who has spent much time around me. The struggle is not that I dislike prayer. It's just that I believe that there are various ways in which prayer can be expressed. But I also know that I'm not the only one who struggles with prayer. Our gospel reading today showed that Jesus' own disciples struggled with prayer, and they were asking him to teach them to pray. Retired Episcopal Bishop Jack Spong has written extensively about his own struggles with the concept of prayer. And I'm aware that Bishop Spong is someone that most people either love 
or hate. But he taught several of my courses in seminary, and he is someone that I have looked up to for many years. His daughter and I served together in the military. She was the first female Cobra helicopter pilot in Marine Corps history, and while I was in the Middle East, she provided air security while my guys were on the ground. After class one day, I was catching up with Bishop Spong about his daughter, but I also asked him a question about something that he had mentioned in his recent lecture on prayer. After listening to my, st my struggles with prayer, Bishop Spong referred me to the first book that he had ever wrote, which is called Honest Prayer. He said that the book was long out of print, but if I could still find it, it might be helpful. In his book, Honest Prayer, Bishop Spong recalls two events that forever shaped his understanding of prayer. The first account was with a young mother of three that he knew in the Diocese of Newark, and she had requested him to visit her in the hospital. And this young mother had just received a fatal diagnosis. Bishop Spong is aware that when someone is dying, you enter into life at a very deep level if you are going to talk to them. And over the next two hours, he had a very deep conversation with this woman about life, about mortality, about her fears, and about faith. And when the time came to leave, Bishop Spong says that he then shifted into his ordained capacity and suggested that they pray. The woman didn't object, but her response was similar to, if you need to do that, go ahead. Bishop Spong said a typical prayer of his profession, which he referred to as feeling like one pious cliche after another, trying to cover his sense of embarrassment. And as soon as he was done, he felt diminished by that prayer. And he says that it was obvious that the young mother felt diminished as well. On his drive home from the hospital, he compared the two experiences, the one that he called prayer and the, and the other, which he felt was sharing life in a deep and intimate way. And when comparing the two experiences, one expanded life and he felt one contracted life. And so he wondered, was the prayer the words that he rattled off, or was the prayer interwoven with God's presence while connecting with someone in a very painful situation? And wrestling with this issue on the way home, Bishop Spong took a vow to never pray again in a pastoral situation until he could pray as honestly as he could live in that situation with that person. The second experience that shaped his understanding of prayer revolved around the loss of his first wife. She was, given, she was also given a fatal diagnosis with no more than two years to live. And once this news had become public, prayer groups were formed all over the Diocese of Newark. Him and his family were touched deeply by this outpouring of generosity that his family had received. It was a way for people to say that they wanted to somehow help and they wanted to somehow be involved in a very difficult time. But it turned out that his wife went on to live another six and a half years. And as his wife passed the one-year mark, and then the two-year mark, word began to spread that prayer groups in the diocese had begun taking credit for pushing back the disease. And despite hearing this, Spong remained thankful for everyone concerned about his family. But also upon hearing this, he could not help but wonder if God would really operate that way. 
Would God really let his wife live six and a half years because multiple prayer groups were formed around a well-known public figure? He began to wonder about any number of garbage collectors who lived in the inner city of his diocese of Newark. What if it was their wife who was diagnosed with, with cancer? Most garbage collectors are not well-known public figures and probably wouldn't have prayer groups formed all over the diocese. He then began to wonder if God would respond less to that. He struggled with wondering, do many prayers change God's mind? Would God say that, well, I'm getting a lot of prayers about the bishop's wife, so let's give her four more years? But nobody's praying for the garbage collector's wife, so unfortunately her time is up. He could not imagine God operating in that way. And he said that if that is the way that God operated, then he would, he would immediately resign from his profession. And so throughout Bishop Spong's career, the subject of prayer became his greatest struggle. And a lifetime of experience forced him to develop some new understandings of prayer. And as he looked back over his career, Bishop Spong came to the understanding of prayer as simply sitting or standing self-consciously in the reality of the transcendent dimension that we call God, getting in touch with it, letting it fill our lives so that we can begin to operate out of it. And as we operate out of it, we can begin to live a life of prayer rather than do the activity of prayer. In today's Gospel from Luke, the topic of prayer takes center stage. And we find the disciples requesting to be instructed in prayer. We find Jesus responding by providing a pattern for prayer and also provides a parable about God's readiness to hear our prayers. We find that Jesus provides a statement about the certainty of God's answer to our prayers and that God will answer our prayers more readily than a human father will respond to the requests of his children. For Jesus, prayer was an integral and central aspect of life. Professor Alice McKenzie says that from Jesus' example and teachings throughout the New Testament, there are certain repeatable aspects that we can observe. And throughout the New Testament, what we find is that Jesus prays in a certain place, in a certain way, a way that is both intimate and urgent. And Jesus also prays with a certain faith, that God will provide for our needs, that God forgives our transgressions, and that God will strengthen us in times of temptation and hardship. And this, I believe, is a great model for prayers. But I also believe that there are infinite ways in which this prayer can be expressed. I was reminded of that this week when I stopped by Dale Walker's house to see how the progress, see the progress he is making on restoring all the original trim from the Ledbetter house. When I walked into Dale's wood shop and saw hundreds of pieces of trim laying on the ground, the only thing I saw was a ton of work that needed to be done. Dale, on the other hand, saw things differently. And he flipped up his mask and said, you know, some people walk labyrinths. Some people meditate, some people pray. But for me, this is it, working with wood. And I knew exactly what he meant in that statement. And it was a great reminder of the many ways in which we all pray. In an article entitled, What Difference Does Prayer Make? Theologian Bruce Epperly expands upon the many pathways to prayer. 
Common prayer is familiar to us as Episcopalians. We're also familiar with intercession, which is simply asking God for well-being or a blessing. There's also petition, which is simply asking God to respond to our own personal needs. But prayer can also be experienced through silence, listening to the movements of life in our own lives. Prayer can be experienced through mindfulness, which is simply awareness of the holiness of the tasks that we all perform and living in the moment. Prayer can be seen as service and justice-seeking through acts that transform the world and improve others' lives. But prayer can also be as simple as a greeting, saying hello to a friend or to a stranger. There's also study, as the Jewish tradition asserts, can be a prayer form or a way of encountering the holy. Music, I believe, is an excellent form of prayer. The music that comes out of this organ, thanks to Patty, is some of the beautiful, most beautiful prayers I've heard. During communion today, she will play with Andy, and I can assure you it's a beautiful prayer. In 1 Thessalonians, St. Paul urges us to pray without ceasing. But surely Paul does not mean that we are to say prayers without ceasing. I think that Paul is urging us to discover ways in which our very lived experience is one spent in connection with God. And we all connect to God in different and beautiful ways. And sometimes that extraordinary connection takes place in the simplest and the most ordinary of places. But regardless of how we make that connection, I do believe that in the depth of our being, we are all called to seek out that which brings us into a deeper relationship with God and with one another. And at the heart of our gospel reading today, I think what we find is that God eagerly anticipates being in relationship with each one of us. And we are given a glimpse into God's desire as it is written in Luke's gospel. Ask and it will be given. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. May it be for us this day as well. Amen.